Who thought it would be this difficult to just open the show today? Seems like we have a hangover after the day after the big debate on Sunday night. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Queen, alongside you. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, coming up with mm-hmm. us this morning. And uh, many things going on in the state of Illinois. So we'll get with Ben here in about the next 30 minutes or so. Did you have any uh, sort of debate hangover hangover last night? Because there was we were so busy and so full of things we had to get to yesterday on the show mm-hmm. that I didn't relay a story that I thought was insightful uh, from my adventures far afield this weekend about the election. And also, it led to a conversation with someone who is, according to those who do the political mapping, supposed to be the lifeblood of the Hillary camp, telling me why she would never, ever vote for Hillary Clinton. Whoa, 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 whoa. Somebody who's supposed to be the lifeblood of the Hillary camp, meaning if you somebody who's at, solidly in Hillary's no, side. No, I'm talking about if you look at what they paint as voter demographics who right. will be voting for okay. Hillary. Somebody who who is considered so a lock mm-hmm. that they don't even focus on wooing them. Correct. But they still said, I, I won't. Now... Saying that you won't vote for Hillary does not mean that you'll vote for Trump. I brought that point up as well. What happened was I was talking with a uh, part of the, I don't know, would would we be, we're not considered suburban here. I guess we would be urban or for a few blocks. Towny-ish. Something. Something like that. The technical term, if you, if you look it up, is, uh, and, and I've heard other people use this recently, uh, Hooterville. <laughs> now wait a minute did you hear that on the tape with billy bush and donald trump is that no, it's not, no is no, that where that came no, from no that's not where that came i'm from. gonna go down and grab hooterville that's not no are you sure it? thanks for taking it there but no you're welcome <laughs> I, w- I was i was talking with the, she's people from urban and suburban areas would right. refer to this as a rural community okay all right well then maybe she's not the lifeblood uh, of the the Hillary backbone, uh, fifty years old, uh, post secondary, post collegiate, advanced degree, mother of two, and she visibly cringes when Hillary comes on the television, when she hears her voice on the radio, she just visibly cringes, and. Her arguments are colorful enough that I can't repeat them verbatim uh, on this show, Uh, but they go deeper than just the, I'm going to vote for someone due to gender identity politics. And this dovetails with a conversation that that was kind of forced on me uh, over the weekend uh, while I was out of town. I had a a lady uh, broach the topic with me after some mutual friends kind of explained who I was to her and what I did. She is a practitioner of an alternative lifestyle. And she decided, well, I'm going to go over and talk to, you know, Mr. Hot Mouthpiece guy and see what's going on with him. And she said, you know, what do you, what, what do you think about that? What do you think about the fact that I've chosen to, you know, live my life with 
a woman instead of a man. I said, and I, I really think that my response shocked her because I thought that she initially assumed or, or she assumed that I was the quote unquote sort of cardboard cutout Republican. And what she found was that I'm not. I, I, I tend to vote Wait Republican because they come closest to what I would like to see. They're, they're not the perfect candidate. And so when I looked at her and responded, you know what, I, I don't think we should be ashamed of there being more love in the world. That kind of stopped her in her tracks. And then I, I hit her with what this comes down to is how stupid are you? And now she's on the back foot because she thinks I'm going to insult her. I said, are you willing to be played by those who want your vote into being convinced that you're a single-issue voter? So, okay, you've, you've chosen an alternative lifestyle. Now, what do you think we should do with the military? What's your opinion on deficit spending? Mm-hmm. Are, we, are, we too, are we overly generous without accountability for our social welfare programs? Should Obamacare continue as single payer, or should we go back to a free market for insurance? What's your foreign policy? You should any- we be the world's police? Should we be involved in nation building? Should we close our borders? Now, and she had nothing on those topics. And, and, and it, we, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate her, which, which is why I bring this up. It is the fact saying- that, that, that she was conned by the mass media and by the Democratic candidate into thinking that because she had one aspect of her life that ran to what would be on the social spectrum considered liberal, that she was thereby deadlocked and painted into always having to vote for a liberal candidate, even though her views ran conservative when it came to almost every other function of government. Now, you say that, but you say that she didn't have a whole lot. I mean, you you, you asked her if she's a single-issue voter. Mm -hmm. You put her on the back foot. You say she doesn't have a whole lot, but now you're saying... She's conservative on, on almost every other well, issue. Because what you've described is a single-issue voter right well, now. Well, she, she couldn't explain what the other issues were, but as I brought them up and gave her liberal choice or conservative choice, she picked conservative choice mm-hmm. nine times out of ten. Yeah. Should, should the government be protecting its citizens from threats both foreign and domestic? Yes. Should Congress pass and stick to a balanced budget? Yes. Mm-hmm. Should we have school choice? Yes. Mm. So, I mean, down the line... When I brought up, I said, don't don't think about the candidates. Don't think about the letters R and D. I'm going to bring up an issue. Tell me if you're for this or the other. And other than the fact that that she was nervous that anyone who described themselves as a, a social conservative or something might be coming for a pitchfork and a torch with her, that everything else on down the line, when she was given a choice between a liberal answer and a conservative answer, she picked a conservative answer every time. And I think that that's the discussion that, that we've been missing out on. And we, we lamented some of the attitude at the, at the debate on Sunday night yesterday while we were doing the post-debate wrap-up. But it's the missed opportunity to let people, not to yell at people or, or not to sort of um, preach but rather to put the question in front of them and let them figure out what they're for themselves. And then, okay, so you're 
you, you've, you've given me a conservative answer on uh, seven out of these ten topics and three liberal answers. Let's talk about why you gave that liberal answer. You know, I, I think this is where, the con- where I would like to see the conversation rather than 17 years ago somebody made a crass remark about women to another dude. Well, what, what 29 years ago, the other candidate defended a rapist. And so has she lost her standing to be able to speak for women? Or is that too illogical to the liberal perspective? You know, that we spend so much time on this. And I've always said, if you want to change your mind over the course of time, that's fine. You're, you're not a flip flopper. If in the 70s you thought one thing and today you think another. Sure. All right. In the 70s, I thought it was okay to pee in my diaper. I've changed my mind on that. Have you? Over the decades, just recently, and decided that's not what I want to do. If you've changed your mind due to new information over four decades, you're not a flip flopper. If you took a position last month and then you're taking the opposite position this month because it's politically expedient, mm-hmm. you're a flip flopper. Right. Well, what you're describing and what. I don't, I don't want to use this word. What she is a product of, is that word instead, is a system that, that asks you, expects you to feel instead of think. What you're proposing is a conversation, a thoughtful conversation, that we as Americans will agree on most things when we sit down and talk to each other person to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when we are plugged in, whether it's uh, social media, online, uh, we're, we're watching the, the debate, we are expected to, taught to feel before we think. And she approached you with her feelings about who she was. Her self-image, yes. You responded by saying, let's talk about how we think. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what put her on the back foot. But I will tell you that her and all of us, because it isn't just her, all of us spending a, a, a lifetime or, or most of our lifetimes being encouraged to feel a, a, instead of think is why Hillary has such a problem. It's it's a total boomerang, and it's a situation that that the media has created. That has benefited Democrats for a couple of generations, but now they have this incongruency when it comes to Hillary Clinton, and it's a tough thing to overcome. So instead of feeling the way you're supposed, they would prefer you feel about Hillary, we have to feel the way they prefer you to feel about Donald Trump. Instead, don't feel about Hillary now. We want you to feel negative about Trump instead. And as long as we can get voters to feel about Trump as opposed to feeling about Hillary, because we already know how they feel about Hillary, and it's not good. Mm-hmm. When you spend a lifetime, you know, within the media and you're overexposed, what do we as, as Americans, we're all for somebody until they're overexposed. When every time we turn around, they're shoved in our face, we don't want them anymore. Go away for a while. Unless it's Tom Brady nude sunbathing during his even, suspension from the NFL. Even that. You got to manage your brand. <laughs> so, but but Hillary has never gone away. It's she's always there. She's always being pushed, and we're always told to feel a certain way about her. And this is the negative pushback mm-hmm. of the feelings. 
So this is a tough sell for the media, according to their own rules now. And this this lady that you had the conversation with is a product of that. And I would agree. Let's sit down and, and have a conversation and think, as opposed to just being expected to feel all the time. I'm glad that you brought up the media's roles and their own self-imposed construct of what they're supposed to uh, push how they're supposed to react, and what the rules are and how different they are depending on if you're a liberal liberal Democrat that's part of the media elite establishment that they worship or if you are outside of that construct. You don't have to look any further, and I would have never known if this happened if I didn't see the clip on a uh, just oh, – why can't I think of the word now? Whenever you have the uh, – website that that sort of crawls the web for you and gleans all the things and aggregator yeah if, if i didn't see it on an aggregator i would have never seen it we've all seen what the reaction has been to donald trump and the words that he used on that tape mm-hmm. with billy bush we were all taught that actions carry more weight and are more meaningful than mm-hmm. words while those weren't great words you see the actions of Hillary in her marriage to Bill and how they've handled actual action, not just words. And so once you have that, that preponderance of weight of actual documented action versus just some documented words, you would expect that the reaction would be different. No. And this is the the reaction that I never would have seen if it wasn't for that aggregator because you wouldn't be able to catch me dead watching The View. <laughs> Joy Bear. Not even back in the 70s? No. Not when I was still peeing the diaper. No. <laughs> Joy Bear came out and did the unthinkable. She called, referred to the women that, that Donald Trump uh, brought to light as having been at least put in uncomfortable situations by President Clinton, she called them tramps. She defended Bill and called those women tramps. If the if the girdle was on the other waist, somebody would be dead at this point. If that was a conservative talk show host who said that about women who were bringing up charges against a conservative politician. Oh, yes. He would so be. you see once again inside the media construct that it is it's not just that there are a set of rules, it's that those rules are fungible if it's not going the way that you think it should. If it's not going the way that's good for your narrative. There is no absolute right and wrong. It's all relativism. And it was never driven home harder than that little 17-second clip in which you had a woman on a you know a, a show that is targeted for women in this country a show that is has purported to support women's rights victim blaming on national tv because that narrative didn't fit the way they wanted reality to work I want to say that, uh, didn't I see, and maybe this was a different aggregator than you, didn't I see that Whoopi said something uh, similar 
Is she still on that show? Uh, she's on one of those shows. I believe, yes. Here, I'm looking for it now. This chair is too tall. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it wasn't just Joy. It was also uh, Whoopi who said some things that I think uh, if the, if there were different girdles and different people, uh, that would be uh, kind of kind of blasted. But when you say that there's moral relativism, uh, what you're essentially getting at is if some things are okay in this circumstance but not okay in another circumstance and what I believe isn't isn't hard, then I really don't believe anything, do I? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's where we're at, and this is a byproduct, in my mind, of the stakes for this election. The country, I think people intrinsically know the country isn't doing well right now. We're not on a good path. And you have a fight because the next four years are so important, whether it's to get the economy booming again, whether it's to define our role in the world after eight years of the Obama apology tour, whether it is to discover whether we'll continue to have another American century or not. People understand, maybe not with words, but there's there's a feeling, especially uh, if you're over 30 or so, just because you've had enough life experience that it just feels different right now. And sometimes it's because, you know, we sometimes we have a hard time with change. But this isn't just change that's the problem. It's where we're at right now. What we're told to accept is the new normal. Mm-hmm. Almost zero growth. Well, that's just the new normal. That means you don't have a chance to grow and, and have new opportunities. And that's not the America that we know. Yeah, one of the things that I don't think I've heard uh, Trump or, or anybody who's out campaigning bring up is the fundamental change that President Obama said we needed in, in this country. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has set about to create and make happen. And are we okay? Is this the change we thought he would deliver upon or uh, put into motion? And I haven't heard anybody bring that up uh, on the trail. I, obviously, you hear Trump try and uh, pair Hillary up with Obama, and I think that's fair. She was part of his his uh, team and, and, and cabinet. But um, I haven't heard anybody take it to that next level and say where we're at with that change is this the change you thought you were going to get? And I think most people, by saying that we're not where we should, we're on the wrong path, by by saying that, they're saying no. Don't miss the opportunity to have conversations with people around you. I wouldn't have had those two things to relate, nor would I have had the chance to try and affect some change if I'd closed myself off from those conversations. So be aware that you have the opportunity to make a difference at every level and every time you have a conversation. And, and don't just think that uh, getting involved in a in a thread on social media is is the way to... Face-to-face conversations mm-hmm. will carry more weight. You got to understand, on social media, people are a lot more bold than they are uh, face-to-face. And it, 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 the social media phenomenon is amazing because you'll have people say, I, I can't even deal with people who disagree with me 
you need to go away, I'll unfriend you, just go ahead and unfriend me. And then two comments later, they're like, we all need to come together. I'm like, you just <laughs> uninvited everybody to come together. Well, And while you're busy shouting, you can't be busy listening. Right, you can't finish your comments with, you need to sit down. And then expect people to respond to you in a, in a thoughtful manner. In and a have constructive a, manner. Right. You just, you just can't. So face-to-face, you're not going to get in somebody's grill and go, you need to sit down. You're not going to do that. It's a great conversation and one that we took a little longer to unfold than I thought we might this morning. Coming up, Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, and who's already sounding the alarm bells for a rigged system? We'll get to that as we continue the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Somebody Don't you a, break that no, I one think somebody too. replaced a spring in it because it's got like jump. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you never know what's going on. It's the morning meeting. Uh, speaking of wild cards, uh, everybody's uncle, Uncle Ben. Ben Yow, Illinois Watchdog, going to mm. join us in just a moment here on the morning meeting. Before we get to that, it has been a hot 24 hours after the, de- the debate in St. Louis on Sunday night. Republican presidential Donald, Donald Trump, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, warned Trump supporters Monday to, quote, keep a close eye on the polls so that the election is not stolen from us. Uh, I would say that keeping a close eye on the polls is always it's a always good a thing. Good job. Uh, Trump repeating his claim that the system is rigged adding that there was no way he was down in the polls in Pennsylvania. Well, that's a a comment on uh, the polling that's going on there. But already allegations that a system may be rigged. This uh, this just sets up, if I lose, then, therefore. And I I don't like this attitude uh, from a a nominee leading up to Election Day. And uh, Clinton renewed she couldn't figure out anything else to blame him for other than using Chinese steel. So there you go. That was that was her her response. Oh, as a businessman. Yeah, as a businessman that that he used, he used Chinese Chinese steel, steel for construction projects. So they're still going at it and uh, they will continue to do so. Next debate coming up in uh, what as, 8 days, 9 as days. As a free trader open borders person, I I would think that she'd be all for him using Chinese right. st- I, 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 again, incongruencies. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't she be for him, you know, in his business making the the best possible move? I mean, I get it. You'd rather for have government? American yeah. steel being involved, but sure. if she's for, you know, the, the free trade, open borders, it's kind of all one big mishmash. Yeah, you can't be for open borders with people and not for business. <laughs> so, so unless uh, that's your private face versus your public well, face. Oh, there's that. Yeah. Yes. Giannis, the two headed god, was so, so happy with uh, Hillary and that response uh, on Sunday night. All right. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. 
It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. The Illinois watchdog, Ben Yount, joins us this morning on the morning meeting. Ben, would you like to have all of your private conversations taped to be played back later at the least convenient time? I, I just assume that because, I mean, like you, when we do this, there, there's a very small line between what you say in private and what you say in, in public. I, the only difference between me on the radio and me at home is that I curse a lot more at home. I mean, I still curse on the air all the time, but I just do it a lot more in my living room. Uh, I, there's very little that I say in private that I wouldn't say in public. I mean, I guess that's the difference between me and Donald Trump and me and Hillary Clinton. I don't lie to half the people half the time. I'm just a jerk 100% of the time. So that way, everybody knows where I am. All right, we've got that groundwork laid out as we get started with Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, ben, new poll from the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at uh, Southern Illinois University. 47% of registered voters in the state of Illinois said they would like to leave the state, but only about 20% say it's a real possibility for them within the next 12 months. This speaks to so many things, I think, that are going on right now. If you understand where the registered voters' mindset is right now, you can see the dissatisfaction with government. You can see the concern over things like uh, the the teacher's strike that was threatened and then just <laughs> avoided at the last second uh, with Chicago Public Schools. You can understand, I don't want to say anger, but the, the bubbling discontent in the state of Illinois and the continued head shaking that no one can seem to get it right on either side of the aisle. It, it, it's resignation to doom. The people in the state of Illinois just sort of accept that this state is broken. I can't change it. It's not going to miracle itself to be different. I, I might as well cut my losses and get out. I, I, the, the timing on this is amazing. I'm literally halfway through writing that exact same story. A new poll says almost half the people in the state of Illinois have thought about moving, but the concern is not how many people are thinking about leaving the state, it's who. I, literally writing this story right now, and, and those numbers, they don't look so bad when you say, okay, 47%, but only 20% are really going to do it. You've got to look at who's leaving. Yeah. 58% of people in their prime earning ages, yep. between 35 and 50, they're, they're jumping ship in 57% of millennials. The only people who want to stay in Illinois are the people who are getting close to retirement or are already retired and are, and are poor friends in agriculture because they're just screwed. You, you can't move dirt. You, you're, I'm sorry, friends. You're, you're stuck. But that's the, that's the thing. And, and this, is, this is the conversation that I have all the time that I've had with the governor. And in this 12, month, I, this 12 months is, is, is important because – it all comes down to every single person that I've had this conversation with. When my kids are done with school, I am out of here. And there are a lot of people who start planning three, four, five years in advance. So this idea that somehow, well, only 20% say it's going to be reality in the next 12 months, that's the 20% who've been talking about leaving for five years. Their last is graduating high school this summer, and they are to Florida by July, and, and that's the reality. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who have kids my kids' age, high school age, that once the kids are to college, they don't need the big house. They don't need the big property tax bill. They don't need the headache. They can jump 
over the border to Missouri, to, to Wisconsin, to Texas, to Florida. Planes fly all of these places, but yet the folks in Springfield still don't understand that that's the economic reality, and we get, we get this nightmare, this ski mask and pistol deal for Chicago public school teachers up in Chicago. It's absolutely amazing. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. Ben, you say the numbers aren't aren't that scary. Forty seven percent of registered voters is scary. Even twenty percent saying that th- that they can and and may very well stop. Don't think of it in just percentage of uh, people leaving. Think of that in tax dollars. Somebody in Springfield has to be able to put a number on that. Well, what, what, what they're going to do is they're going to say, well, of course people talk about moving. Everybody talks about moving. I don't want to be here for the next winter. You, you're going to get that nonsense. And, and somebody's going to say, yeah, but only 20% say it's a, a reality. This, this isn't even a full measure of the number of people that it, anyone who is clinging to hope or faith or denying reality. You know, everybody who's had that bad boyfriend, no, I, I, no, I know that he said he was going to call. He's helping his cousin wash her hair. That's why you heard those girls giggle in the back of that voicemail. It's all okay. The, the lawmakers in Springfield are so in denial, it's not even funny. And they will cling to whatever small number they have. But the, the number that is the most important in this entire poll is that 58% of people in their prime earning ages, because those are taxpayers, those are homeowners, those are the folks that make the difference between whether, whether you're going to have to have a tax increase or you're going to be able to make it through. Because if you lose 200, 500,000 mm-hmm. taxpayers from a town like Quincy or a town like Springfield, that's a thousand homes that aren't bought. That's a thousand lunches. That's a, you know, I think about how many kids are going out of our school districts. And when you look at this, you, you understand why. And you know, lawmakers are going are to take a look at this, deny the reality, say everything is fine, stick their head back in the sand, and we're going to lose another 20% of people, and it's going to be ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm planning. My, my youngest is a sophomore, and we are making the plans as we speak. We will rent a house in Florida, not this coming summer, the summer of 17, but the summer of 2018. We are moving to Florida for the summer so that we know where we want to move when we move there for good. Also, on the flip side of this, Ben, I don't see any uh, opposite study that shows that people are lining up to come to Illinois to take the place of those taxpayers who are talking about leaving. Listen, if you are a finance guy, if you work in investment banking, if you work in hedge funds, if you are, if you are a lawyer, if you can work in the loop, you've got a great opportunity in Chicago. If you are a tech guy, if you can come in and develop your app or your, your, your 21st century 2016 business approach in the tech corridors in Chicago or Lake County, it's great for you. It is amazing. You know, when you have cash and things are cheap, the world is great. But if you aren't in finance or in tech, the state of Illinois doesn't have very much for you. The, the, the manufacturing jobs are leaving. The, the only jobs that seem to be steady are government jobs, and the taxes are continuing to go up and up and up. And it's not just income tax or sales tax, it is property tax. And, you know, I, I feel bad for all of us downstate because you put us all in one big pot and we still, I don't think, add up to the collar counties. It, it's, it is atrocious. You know, in suburban Chicago, the amount of money that people are paying to the government for the privilege of living on their block 
And at a certain point, people aren't dumb. I, I, I don't care. Even even people who don't have any money aren't dumb. And you're you're at a certain point just going to cut your losses. You're going to say it is it is time for me to go. I can't maintain this cost. And the only people who haven't gotten that memo are our, our friends in government who continue to do things like promise pay raises and, and pensions like they do in Chicago. And, oh, well, we'll find TIF money. Yeah, TIF money! TIF money! That'll do it! As if that's not somehow money that's coming out of taxpayer pockets in one fashion or another. It just, this is, this is another one of these canaries falling in the mine, and no one is going to pay attention because in Illinois, it's, it's government for government, not government for the people. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Government dividing itself uh, from people has been one of the issues that has led to the rise of Donald Trump on a national level. In Illinois, the state has long been written off by the Trump campaign. It's expected to go deep Democrat. But in states, you now have Republicans who have the issue, problem, challenge of creating a separate brand from Trump on a national level. Uh, Republicans have reportedly spent millions of dollars to, quote, burn in the Madigan issue this year, hoping that that will sort of separate them on an Illinois state level from the national level. Uh, What are you hearing? How successful are Republicans in the state of Illinois who are running for statewide seats, who are running for uh, Illinois House and Senate seats, how successful have they been able to sort of create an image away from the national campaign? I think that a lot of voters can separate this in their mind, that they understand the difference between their guy and Hillary Clinton or their guy, their gal, and Donald Trump. That, that I, don't, I don't really think that, that somebody is, is under the, the, the delusion that what happens nationally is, is of any real import at the state capital. The state capital, because in Illinois we have, we've talked about state government being broke and broken for so long that I think there is at least a base awareness of what happens in Springfield. Now, this is an interesting year. You know this. You're on the radio. You have a phone. People call you. The people who call and yell the loudest are the most hardcore Trump trainers. And I, I, I've gotten the sense for a long time, and, and I think that the, the events of the past week have only solidified this. Trump supporters, I mean, true, hardcore Donald Trump supporters, aren't going to vote down ballot. There, there were questions as to whether they would before, but a lot of Donald Trump supporters are there to support Donald Trump. They're not there to support the Republican Party. They're not there to, re- to support Republican candidates. They're not there so much to fight against Mike Madigan and the Chicago Democratic machine. They are there to vote for Donald Trump. And when they do that, I think, given what has happened, hell, even over the past 48 hours, you are going to see a lot of people walk into the ballot booth. Uh, they are going to check Donald Trump's name, and they are going to throw down their pen in anger and storm out and, and intentionally not vote for the establishment that they think is somehow screwing Trump. Uh, I, I, I think that this is a problem for Republicans, because while you are going to have a massive turnout for president, you're, you're not going to have it down. Now, some of the people who are going to vote for Donald Trump are Democrats. Uh, so it was always going to be ticket splitting. But I don't, I don't think that the concern should so much be, does Jill Tracy separate herself from Donald Trump? I think the, the concern is, 
how does Jill Tracy or any other local state house candidate get a Donald Trump supporter to stay at the voting booth long enough to vote down ballot? Because there are a lot of down ballot races that I just think, as, as angry as everyone is right now, I see a lot of one and done and the hell with you all as I file my ballot. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. What about those early voters? Are they just voting on one thing and mailing that uh, ballot in? And if they're just voting on that one thing, how how much did they get bought off for? <laughs> well, this is this is the danger of early voting, right? This is the danger of voting three weeks out. We hear this every single election season that something breaks close to the election, and all oh, these all oh, these early voters they feel like they got ripped off. Listen, when you when you get in line that early, you're going to miss the stuff that comes at the end. You, you don't walk out of the movie the last 10 minutes to beat traffic. You know, you, you stay to the end and, and, and you see what happens. Uh, I, I think that it is, it is the, the, the puzzle of 2016. And there are going to be millions of barrels of digital ink spilled trying to parse out the postmortem of this election is going to very much be who voted for Trump only, and who voted for the Republicans or the Democrats. And, and I think that, that once we get that answer next year, year after it, you're, you're going to understand where the support was and, and why, why either Republicans failed to, to, to make any grounds at the state capitol or why Donald Trump got beat by 20 points in Illinois. Uh, we, we're, just, we're just not going to know till we, till we know what that impact is. And, and you know, if, if I had to go with my gut right now, I'd say that Donald Trump supporters, I mean, real Donald Trump supporters, bought the hat, the T-shirt, the sign, guys have been on the Trump train since day one. I don't see them cast in a ballot for anybody else besides Donald Trump because they're just so mad right now. And that, that has to worry uh, local Republicans. County chairmen have to do the job of convincing their local guys, hey, I understand you're mad at Paul Ryan. Hey, I understand you're mad at Glenn Beck. But don't be mad at fill-in-the-blank local candidate. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Just about to start Uncle Ben's Future Site Research Service. That's what I gleaned from you today is you're going to take that uh, exploratory relocation trip to Florida and suss that out. If you could find something with low taxes, high economic opportunity, decent weather, and no snakes because my companion, she's – They're just deathly afraid of snakes. Florida has them. Texas has them. She found out the hard way. So those two have been ruled out for our future site search. Aren't snakes everywhere? Mississippi has has a snake problem. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out where, as my children put it so eloquently yesterday, there is a big and tall jet ski store because there's apparently (laughs) now concern that I won't fit in a traditional sense on a normal jet ski. Ben out, Illinois Watchdog, our guest I this just, morning. I just had images of Ben going viral. What, why do you need a big and tall jet ski? On Come the on. morning meeting. <laughs> we'll see if he can find that. Have fun, boys. Thank we'll you, Ben. You. Talk again soon. We'll wrap it up next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Sinkery screened with you just a moment left this morning on the morning meeting. I'm wondering if a major newspaper in the state of Illinois just committed a class four felony. Huh? And this isn't partisan politics. No, the, the Chicago Tribune's marketing department sent out an email solicitation Friday headlined register to vote and get a free eight-week digital subscription. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, it then goes on to tout all the upside of being a, a Tribune customer. After you register to vote, it says you'll receive confirmation, a confirmation email where you can redeem your free access. Well, someone quickly pointed out, I don't know if this was from the uh, Illinois State's Attorney's Office or not, that uh, Section 29-1 of the Illinois State Statute in regards to vote buying is pretty clear on this issue. Mm. Quote, any person or persons who knowingly give, lend, or promise to give or lend any money or anything of value as consideration to any other person so as to influence that person to register to vote or to vote in such a manner for or against any candidate or public question shall be guilty of a class four felony. Was there a response from the, wait, you said Tribune? Yeah. yeah not yet. They've got a legal team. I think they would have sussed this out. Yeah, sometimes things happen. Sometimes things do happen. Sometimes uh, legal isn't consulted until after the fact. Whoops. All right, that's going to do it for us. More morning meeting coming up tomorrow. Grab the podcast wherever you get yours. And the last five, always at WTAD.com. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.